Christmas, everyone, and welcome to That Time When, the comedy history podcast where we talk about strange things that happen in history. I'm Amelia Edwards, and with me is my helper elf, Barnaby King. Hello. I'm a devious elf. Ho, ho, ho. It's Christmas. I will delight in trickery. Sorry. It's gone a little bit creepy there, Barnaby <laughs> I elf. have. I have. I've had some drinks. Uh, <laughs> so... Like many of you, I suspect, our Christmas plans were thrown into disarray by the current UK government, who for a long while were kind of like, ah, Christmas is fine. You, you can, can have five days exactly. with your family because we live three hours away from our families. Yeah. But so, no. Yeah. So like many of us, I think at first we were kind of like, that seems like a bad idea what mm-hmm. with you know the pandemic and the government kept going it's, it's fine. fine it's fine we're not gonna change it and then eventually you kind of go okay i'm gonna make some plans and mm-hmm. then the government goes no no you have to stay at home you can't travel to see your family so yeah as a result i've had some drinks today so <laughs> I've got my Kirsch in front of me. Yes, indeed. We, we've got we've got a little snifter of Kirsch mm-hmm. again, showing how middle class we are, as we do every week on this show, it oh, feels yes. like. <laughs> um, but, you know, it could be worse. Okay. Um, I'm going to talk about my favourite Christmas Day themed story. Oh, good. I'm, I'm hoping this is going to be like a really nice story involving, I don't know, orphans being given homes and happy lives and everything like that. Okay, no. It involves thousands of years of history. Oh, okay. Um, at least two blindings. Oh, okay. And two people called Leo. Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> Okay, so blindings. Blindings. We will get onto the blindings, but just to warn you, people who don't like gore, I don't know why you're listening to us. Yeah, Um, you should have learned. You should have learned from the Elizabeth Bathory episode. (laughs) There will, there will be blindings. (laughs) There are that film with um, oh god, what's his name? The actor (laughs) Daniel Daniel Day Lewis. Lewis. Yes, there will be blindings. (laughs) I drink your eyeballs. I drink them up. (laughs) <laughs> I drink your aqueous humour. <laughs> Gross. Okay, so I'm going to tell you the story of Christmas Day in the year 800. Did 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 Charlemagne, the king of the Franks and Lombards, got crowned Pope. No, I think he got his life uh, twist turned upside down. Well, he did by being crowned... Sorry, I'm going to... Like, he wasn't crowned Pope. I also have something to drink. (laughs) By being crowned Emperor. Okay, so... Do you want to do that again? I will do that again. (laughs) Okay. Okay, so... (laughs) (laughs) I'm wondering how much of this I should keep. (laughs) Okay, so Christmas Day in the year 800. Mm -hmm. Charlemagne, the king of the Franks and Lombards, has been invited to mass at St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. Okay, so many questions to start off with. Go on. Right, so the Franks are what we'd now consider the French, right? Basically. Who are the Lombards? Also kind of the Germans. Right, who are the Lombards? The Lombards are the people of northern Italy. Right, So we're kind of thinking like uh, North Italy, Switzerland, that kind of deal is the Lombards. And then the Franks are parts of France and parts of Germany. Okay, so 
this is i'm assuming based on my own knowledge this is kind of the foundation of the holy roman empire right yes that's what we're going to talk about okay so the holy roman empire kind of covers if you think about like continental europe it kind of covers the central bit of it yeah we are talking i guess the central bit of western europe if you see what i mean yes yeah like if you imagine the continent it's like germany austria France, the Netherlands, Belgium, Northern Italy, yeah, um, that kind of thing. Yeah. Ignore Scandinavia for the moment, mm-hmm. and ignore anything very far east of Germany, and ignore Britain because it's riddled with COVID, and ignore <laughs> <laughs> and ignore Spain because at this point it was starting to become Muslim as well. Mm. Just just throwing a spanner in the works for anyone who imagines like a fully Christian Europe at yeah. any point. And then you've got also the Basque people who are kind of like... Oh, they are terrified. Yeah, and are sort of preventing access to Spain. I mean, there is a famous poem, a famous epic poem, which is about um, one of Charlemagne's men um, and getting killed by the Muslims, but in reality he was killed by the Basques. Ah, the Basque are like it, they're very interesting. I feel like history has kind of overlooked them in many ways. I think that's because they have, as far as I'm aware, been very fearsome and very isolationist for quite a while, mm. and also invented an amazing game. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it's called Pele or something. It involves these amazing like curved bats, and then you have to catch the ball with them and throw them. Sort of lacrosse style. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah, they're very cool people. I uh, don't know much about them. No, my most of my knowledge about the Basque people uh, kind of comes from two films. One about a giant and one about a blacksmith who makes a deal with a devil. Awesome. <laughs> but we have got off topic. We we're have. not talking about the Basques at all. Yes, okay. We are talking about Charlemagne. Charlemagne, who never ruled the Basques. No. But on Christmas Day, something happened. On Christmas Day, he has been invited to Mass at St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. Okay. Which is still, like, the major, um, like, Vatican City Mm. It's the land of the popes. But I imagine at this point in time in the 800s, didn't look anything like it does now, because now it's all sort of post-Renaissance-y, I guess. Right, okay. Um, But, you know... Imagine for a moment what architecture was like in the 800s. I'm imagining it's just like a shack with the Pope inside it. <laughs> I mean, it could be. Yeah. Although I know, I think at this point they had already started nicking stone off of the Colosseum to build other right. things. Right, So okay. it could be all right. Yeah. Okay. As he kneels at the altar, mm-hmm. Pope Leo III crowns him Emperor of Rome. Ah. Thus creating the Holy Roman Empire. This is the creation of the Holy Roman Empire, which had not existed before. The Holy Roman Empire, just as a side note, lasted 1,006 years. Really? It was dissolved during the Napoleonic Wars. Wow, that's much later than I thought. Yeah, so it lasted until 1806, and it was founded in the year 800. Yeah, so, I mean, the Holy Roman Empire, I think, is one of those things... Again, like the Basque. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's not made a big enough deal out of about history. And I'm like, I, I, I think, okay, if you're into medieval history at all, you know what we're talking about when we say the Holy Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. But my first introduction to the Holy Roman Empire came from a video game. <laughs> because... My history teachers didn't talk anything about this. No, I didn't know anything about it until... It was sort of it, it sort of sidled in. Yeah. It's on the sidelines, even if you're doing 
medieval European history sometimes mm. because it's just kind of there and it's yeah. this really big thing that no one really, at least in UEA, seemed to study much. Yeah. It's, a, it's It just seems so weird that it's like, it's such this, it's this big sprawling thing with a great deal of history. And like, I didn't know that it was over a millennia. Yeah. Like, surely that makes it one of the most successful Western empires ever. I mean, if you go by longevity, yeah, yes, yeah. Um, I, if you go with other things like long-term expansion. Oh no. well, no, but I'm I'm thinking more about longevity, longevity because if yeah, we talk about like success in terms of expansion, then we have to talk about the British Empire, and that gets really uncomfortable really fast. We're, we're going to go full-on British Empire <laughs> one of these days, and I'm just going to watch you squirm. <laughs> okay, right. So, uh, the Holy Roman Empire. Um, is mostly what I want to talk about today because mm-hmm. I'm using the basis that it starts off on Christmas as Yay. like a sort of pretense to do it now. <laughs> so this is your Christmas special, guys. We get to talk about the Holy Roman Empire. No, no, no. We're talking about the Roman Empire in its entirety. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Tease us. I want to talk briefly about Charlemagne getting crowned because it's one of my favourite stories that I learned in my first year of doing my um, history and English degree. Yeah. And um, that's because Einhard, who's Charlemagne's contemporary biographer, right? Um, says that Charlemagne at first had such an aversion to being crowned emperor that he declared he would never have set foot in the church the day that the imperial titles were conferred, although it was a great feast day, if he could have foreseen (laughs) the design of the Pope. Oh, wow. Okay. So... So he's like, I would never have been crowned emperor. And it's like, did you not go into the church and see this (laughs) massive crown on the altar? But that is really interesting to me because, like... Again, bringing it back to the modern day, we've got a lot of people who really shouldn't be in power, who have made grabs for power simply for the idea that, you know, I want to be prime minister. Let's say, let's say you have an island nation where there is an individual who has no real morals or ideals, (laughs) but just wants power. Yeah. And he just wants to become prime minister. He'll do it at any cost. Yeah. But you're saying Charlemagne didn't want this power. I don't know. Okay. Okay. So here's the thing. Modesty was highly prized at the time. So uh. it could be that Charlemagne was being honest and genuinely didn't want to become mm. the Holy Roman Emperor. Or it could just be like a little bit of a shrug off. Like, oh, I, I never want... Like, I wouldn't have come in if I'd, if I'd known. <sighs> I didn't want to be emperor, but... Golly gee, if you want me to be emperor, I guess I'll I'll try and be the best gosh darn Holy Roman Emperor that I can be. Exactly. <laughs> and the thing is that historians have argued for so long about yeah. whether he actually wanted to be emperor or not. I was going to say, you, you, you brought this up and it's reminded me of something. Wasn't one of your exams in like first year this very question? Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I have a memory of like visiting Norwich and you and your friends kind of talking about this sort of stuff. And at the time, I didn't know who Charlemagne was and why this was important. So I was just sitting there just kind of going, yep, I feel like a fool amongst 
educated scholars. I feel like it's worth at this point talking a bit about who Charlemagne was. Yeah, I think um, so. So Charlemagne's got that name, which is the best name. I mean, it means Charles the Great. It means Charles the Great. Yeah. Um, so his name was Charles, and he was interesting because he originally came... Okay, so before him, mm-hmm. the kings of the Franks had been a bit indolent, according to historians from Charlemagne's day. Okay, how so? So they they had a series of child kings, mm-hmm. which meant that they never really gained a lot of power. Right. And according to the historians of the day, they were also pretty lazy. Like, they never <laughs> actually did anything. There was a whole thing about apparently they used to grow their fingernails super long. Um Oh, great. Like, you know what I mean? I'm thinking of, like, Guinness Book of Records, like, you know, when the, the thumbnail curls back on itself. I think we're thinking more like, so our friend Ben has recently been really interested in the Chinese courts. Okay, yeah. So, you know, there's a... <laughs> I, I, love, I love that you're referencing someone who none of our listeners can possibly know, but yes. Okay. No, I'm, I'm using this for you. Oh, for me? Yes. Oh, hello. Hi. <laughs> okay, so, um, Ben's been talking about the Chinese courts, mm-hmm. and one of the things that happened with Chinese emperors when they got too far away from, like, actually doing anything with their power was that they did tend to grow their fingernails really long as a kind of sign that you don't need to do anything with your hands right i see so apparently like the french kings used to grow their fingernails really long and their hair really long as well granted this we only know about them because of people from charlemagne's time writing about them so this could Mm. be made up okay um but apparently there wasn't much going on with them and power kind of slid away from them onto uh, like the mayors of individual uh, castles. Yeah, I mean this kind of makes sense. So you're talking about what? So the, around the year eight hundred. So we're coming. So these guys were sort of up to the year six, seven hundred. Yeah. So, so you've kind just of like after the Roman Empire in Western Europe. Yeah, you've got you've got a bit of a sort of state of not quite chaos, but no one's really kind of stepped up as it were yeah to like control everything yeah basically yeah i can't really imagine that kings would have been able to get away with not doing much though like Mm. given the chaos which we know was a thing no that does make sense but who knows in any case, what happened was that Charles Martel, who was Charlemagne's grandfather, mm. was one of these mayors of a city. Right. And he gradually took over more and more power, but never called himself king. Yeah. So then the power goes down to Charlemagne, and Charlemagne's an amazing conqueror, mm-hmm. um, takes over the whole of the Franks, because before they were all little, uh, you know, uh, tribes. Yeah. Um, and also does some really interesting stuff, like... He says, you know, we've fallen down since the Roman Empire times. Yeah. He's got a certain amount of pride in being Frankish and having destroyed the Roman Empire. Make Frankia great again. (laughs) (laughs) But his way of doing this is to say, let's do more about reading and writing, shall we? Ah. While we are invading the whole of Europe. Yeah. Let's also create a style of writing that is easy to read. My God, he's like the antithesis of Trump. He is. It's like, let's unite everyone, but let's also, like, educate everyone and make things actually better. And you know who's that? who that's like? Who? Napoleon. Ah, Napoleon. Napoleon! I mean, so- I, I, I th- I've got to admit, like, 
I get a bit embarrassed sometimes with our friends when we talk about Napoleon because some of our friends are very into Napoleon and I actually know quite little about Oh my him. God, they're such Napoleon sycophants though. You're kind of like, okay, but if he was so great, then why did he get banished to Elba? And they're like, that's because the British cheated. And I'm like, aren't you supposed to cheat in a war? Yeah. But who knows, who knows? We won't go too far into Napoleon, but he's definitely emulating Charlemagne. Yeah. So, um, like, to be honest, I've seen his style of writing and mm-hmm. I'm really annoyed they haven't made it into a font because it is so clear and easy to read and oh, it's really? really pretty. Is there yeah. a name for it? I think it's called the Carolingian font because ah. uh, Carol being Charles in Latin, right. everything to do with Charlemagne gets turned into Carolingian. So, wait, are you saying are you saying that at this time of year we're singing Christmas Charles? <laughs> we are. <laughs> Don't ask me why. Right. But he has lent his name to something even more important as well. Okay. The word for king in a lot of European languages derives from Carl or Charles. Oh. But that also comes from the Vikings. True. No point to make. I'm no. just <laughs> But etymology it's weird he's one of those people like Caesar <laughs> where his name turns into the ruling right title yeah yeah and um, please it's Kaiser yeah exactly <laughs> which turns into Kaiser yeah as in Kaiser Wilhelm and yeah. turns into Tsar yeah um, but like that things like Koenig comes from ah, Karl of course so we end up with the word king is often derived from Charlemagne because he was such a big deal for so much of Europe okay right I mean this is good like obviously this is partly for the benefit of our listeners but also partly for the benefit of me because like I've heard a lot about Charlemagne, but sometimes it's like good to have it all laid out in one go. <laughs> yeah. So the the problem is I can't tell you everything about Charlemagne because there is so much to know. Mm-hmm. Um, like for one thing, there's a whole school of thought that thinks he never existed, which I disagree with. Fair enough. And then there's another school of thought that he is the reason for the Vikings starting to raid other places. Oh, interesting. Did you know about this? I don't think I did. Okay. So... He invaded Frisia at one point. Yeah. Um, thus disrupting a lot of the tribes up there ah, and forcing them to go further north. Right. And that might explain why um, sort of settled peoples mm. then became unsettled and needed to start finding new places to live. Okay. That does make a certain amount of sense. But I think given the later history uh, with regards to Vikings and Frisia, which is for our listeners kind of like the Netherlands, Belgium, Mm -hmm. that sort of region. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. That's that's interesting and something to think about. Yeah, of course. And I can't give you all the historical explanations behind it yet. Yeah. Although I found them quite convincing at the time. Hmm. So have a look into it. Yeah. So I guess my question is, like, other than just telling us about Charlemagne, what specifically are we talking about on this episode? Because okay. we're quite far into it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't really know, I have to say. Okay, so specifically, I actually wanted to talk to you about the foundation of the Holy Roman Empire in Western Europe. Mm-hmm. Because it is a story that spans across a lot of space and a lot of time. Okay. So, for some backstory... To Charlemagne being crowned Holy Roman Emperor and how this idea got into Pope Leo III's head in the first place, we need to go back to the original Roman Empire. Okay. So, as you know... We're back there. We're back there. There's olive oil aplenty 
Grapes are being flung across the street. People are writing graffiti on the walls in order to advertise gladiatorial combat. Women are buying the sweat of gladiators and applying it all over themselves. Men are becoming uncontrollably lustful because of the scent of gla... Oh my, this is getting into erotica. It has. Uh, <laughs> okay, so we're back in ancient Rome. We're back in ancient Rome, but we're back in ancient Rome in the 300s. Oh, okay, so late Roman Empire. Late Roman Empire. Everyone's gone crazy because of the lead in the water. <laughs> Was that a thing? Yeah, the lead in the water. Yeah, they made water pipes out of lead. Oh, damn. It's, it's one of the theories. I, I don't know how accurate <laughs> it is, but it's like, it, I, it, not a truism. That's not the word I'm looking for. But it's one of those like ideas that's generally floated around as to why the Romans went quite so crazy. Okay. Because, what, you mean like Caligula and <laughs> stuff? Yeah. They okay. basically all had low-level lead poisoning. <laughs> I mean, that's the ergotism of its day, isn't it? Is, it is, it is. All right, so, um, by the 300s, the empire was huge. It wasn't at its peak, because that was in 1117, sorry, 117, mm-hmm. um, but by the 300s, it stretched all the way across Europe, including Turkey. Mm. And Emperor Constantine I built a new capital city in Turkey and named it after himself. Constantinople! Istanbul! Um, <laughs> When the western half of the Roman Empire eventually crumbled, the Roman Empire kept going in Byzantium. Mm -hmm. And there's an argument that can be made and is made by Wikipedia, which I thought was (laughs) hilarious because I was like, who are you to make this decision, Wikipedia? That actually the Roman Empire fell in something like 1542. Right, okay. I I think that... So my, I, I do have some understanding of the fall of the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. I think if you're going with that as your argument, then you are really stretching the definition of the Roman Empire. <laughs> sure, sure. But the people of Byzantium considered themselves Roman. Well, yes, but so did the Holy Roman Empire. Sort of. Well, yeah, but okay. I, okay, I, and I am the final authority on this, Okay, will say that the Byzantian Empire yes. is separate from the Roman Empire. Okay. I will brook no argument. I have spoken. But do go on. Right. So <laughs> for the Byzantian people, they still saw themselves as Roman. Mm. And the Pope still saw them as Roman as well. Ooh, I bet he loved them then. He did. So the thing was that as the Romans, they still had a lot of power over the Pope. They were supposed to protect Rome. Yeah. Despite not being anywhere near Rome, but Mm. they considered themselves to be the Romans. They have got the Roman Empire. They protect Rome. And obviously, if we're thinking about the late Roman Empire, um, because I think some of our listeners may kind of think of the Romans as the enemies of Christians mm-hmm. um, because of, you know, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously later on in the Roman Empire, they converted to Christianity. That was Constantine the first. Exactly. So there are really strong connections, hence why, you know, it's called the Roman Catholic Church. Exactly. Scooting forward in history to the late 700s. Okay. But we're still in Byzantium. Mm-hmm. With people who think that they're the Roman empires. Right. Sorry, emperors, rather. Yeah. So Constantine the Fourth mm-hmm. became the co-emperor of Byzantium at the age of five. Damn, that's a lot of responsibility. Well, he was co-emperor. He was with his father, Leo the Fourth. Right, yeah. Not the emperor Leo. Not the Pope Leo, the emperor Leo. Okay. Okay. Hey. <laughs> In- God, pick some different <laughs> names, for God's sake. No. Like, this is a 
some point you still find people in this era giving themselves Roman names. So they keep being like, oh yes, and of course his wife was Thassia. And it's like, sorry? <laughs> it's like, you know, Thassia, daughter of Thassius. And you're like, so- no, no, be more medieval. I thought you meant like today as in the modern period. <laughs> I thought you meant like, how many people do you know called Quintus? <laughs> Well, well. Although, to be fair, Marcus. Marcus. Marcus is still a name. Marcus Rashford. Yes. babe. <laughs> Absolutely. And Marcus is a, a classic Roman name. It is. He needs to get a Roman surname as well, though. Yes, yeah. Rashford is not no. a Roman name. No, that's very English. Yeah. Okay, so... Back to Constantine the Fourth and his father Leo the Fourth. Mm-hmm. So in 780, when Constantine was nine years old, his father died, making him the emperor of Rome. Right. Okay. And his mother Irene became regent. Mm. She was regent for ten years until 790, and apparently she did a really good job of it. Okay. Um. He became... Come on, Irene. (laughs) You can be our queen. (laughs) (laughs) Or our empress. You mean everything. Okay, so... um, A couple of years after he was made the sole ruler... Yeah. Constantine, I think, realised he wasn't very good at it. Right. And he made her the empress and co-ruler alongside him. Okay. Would that have been, like, a controversial decision? Apparently it wasn't. Okay. Apparently that was a like a su- fine and viable decision because we were at the point where people had co-rulers right. um, like a lot of the time. And I think it was seen as like quite a useful thing to do because you know that if somebody dies yeah. unexpectedly, which happens all the time in the mm. 700s, then um, you're kind of already sorted. You're not going to have a power struggle. That makes sense. I mean, so there's two things that I kind of glean from that. Firstly, it's one of those things that we have often talked about how on Game of Thrones, which I think was a lot of people's introduction to kind of like Oh man, I was history. actually going to talk about Game of Thrones later. <gasps> You're going to. Oh, maybe I shouldn't no, talk about No, no, no. Say, say your thing. Well, my, my main thought was just that how when watching it, obviously mm-hmm. people have drawn comparisons between Game of Thrones and actual historical events. But one of the big differences is that on Game of Thrones, people don't just randomly die. They really don't. And, uh, you know, you're expecting at least a shipwreck or something. Yeah. Or like someone gets ill. Yeah. But no, it's it's always like murder. <laughs> Why does no one ever die of eating too many eels? <laughs> <laughs> just to bring us back to our last episode. Uh-huh. Also, you, uh, sort of... Sorry, completely beside the point. But speaking of our last episode, a shout out to Dr. Greenlee. Hey, Dr. Greenlee. Who replied to us on Twitter. And I have so much love for this man now. Um, I think he's awesome. And I'm, I'm definitely going to try look, to look more into Irish whistling eels. We really need to find out what's going on with the whistling yeah. eels, man. Sorry to just derail it. That's fine. That's um, fine. My, other was... thought, my other thought about co-rulers yeah? was... Was this a way for women to gain legitimate power? How common would empresses have been? I have no idea about empresses in the Byzantine, mm. uh, like empire. empire. Yeah. Um, in terms of co-rulers later on, you tend to usually find that your co-ruler is your son. Right. So it's just a way of giving them more legitimacy. Yeah. Okay. And sort of teaching them the trade. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's like it's like an apprentice king. Okay, cool. So um, 
she gets made co-empress. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem is that Constantine did not have a good reign. He oh. wasn't popular. Oh, no. Um, he had a He's only a child. <laughs> well, he's like 20 at this point. Uh, basically a child. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he is a youngling. I um, remember being 20. <laughs> I don't want to be in charge of the Byzantine Empire. Fair enough. Um, he had several military defeats. Mm. And also, he illicitly married his mistress and lots of people hated that imagine somebody doing that (sighs) maybe in game of thrones like rob stark what an idiot sorry maybe unpopular opinion but frankly frankly he should have just made that woman his mistress and not married her and then the whole red wedding thing wouldn't have happened yeah yeah game of thrones could be sorted quite easily if people just took mistresses if people were just more like henry the second yeah but no. Oh, well. No, never mind. Anyways, so um, Irene took advantage of the fact that he was unpopular because she was really popular. Ah. Um, so she had him uh, imprisoned and blinded. In- Whoa. Okay. Talk about zero to a hundred. Right. So he's unpopular. Yes. What did she like? She must have had to have a reason to have him imprisoned. No, she legitimately got some guys to and just put him in a room. Yeah. Oh my god. And they blinded him. And no one was like, Steve, why are we doing this? No, <laughs> they were fine with it. Okay. <laughs> my god, that's so sad. It's really awful behavior. It sounds like this guy was just really unlucky because, like, you know, pretty young, kind of inexperienced, mm-hmm. then isn't very popular. And so everyone's just like, kidnap and blind him? Yeah, yeah sounds good. Yeah. Know, why not? I- I've got nothing else on this evening. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so he was kidnapped and blinded and imprisoned in 797. Hmm. Um, and he probably died from his wounds. We know he was definitely dead by 805. Oh, my God. So she took over the throne. Yeah. And enough. becomes sole empress of Byzantium mm. and thus the sole Roman empress. Right. Probably one of the first in history, I would think. I believe so. Yeah. Question. Okay. Can a woman be emperor of Rome? No, they haven't got the knees for it. Exactly. Uh, Pope Leo <laughs> III was not happy about this. Right. So bear in mind that he is obviously head of the Roman Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. There are some pretty outspoken ideas in the Bible about women cannot tell you what to do because they're not like St. Peter or Jesus. Yeah, they're like they're like... God can't imbue you with the ability to make laws and that because you ain't got that Y chromosome. Exactly. So Pope Leo III is like, no, Hmm. don't like this. Don't like this at all. A woman in power? Preposterous. A woman in charge of my Roman Empire? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. And uh, he was even more pissed off Mm. when he suddenly one day got attacked Oh. This is Pope Leo III, uh, by a number of relatives of the previous Pope. Wow, okay. Man, they took Pope seriously then. They wanted to render him unfit to hold his office, so they cut out his tongue and blinded him. Jesus, okay. I mean, I guess, yeah, that's one way to make someone unfit for office. Nowadays, we just do a sort of sex scandal. Actually, that doesn't even matter anymore. Nah. Um, <laughs> 
But no, okay, right. So in medieval thought, mm-hmm. God sort of controls everything. We've kind of talked about this idea yeah. before. Um, and everything can be read as well. Okay. As a sign from God, right? right? Yeah. Um, so I think, is it called the doctrine of signatures? Yes, yeah. So imagine that applies to everything. So the doctrine of signatures being um, if a plant can cure you of something, it will look like that thing it can cure. Yeah, it will give you kind of a hint as to its purpose Mm -hmm. because God wants you to use it for this purpose. So like something that's good for earache might look a bit like an ear. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so medieval people often applied that kind of thinking to everything. Mm -hmm. So everything that is around you has some kind of spiritual significance. Mm. If, therefore, somebody is blind, according to this medieval form of thought, they cannot see the light of Christ. Right. They are, like, they can't lead you. And even if they've been intentionally blinded, God has kind of allowed this to happen. Yes. It's a bit like that whole... Uh, when we talked about trial by combat, yeah. like God empowers the victor. Yes. It's not just about like who's stronger or who's better. Yeah, it's always about what God's chosen. Yeah. And so, this is one of those examples. Yeah. If you are blinded, then you can't lead mm. because you can't be led by a blind person. Right. It's all very metaphorical. And very ableist. Oh, it's hor- <laughs> it's horribly ableist. Okay, so they, they tried to uh, cut out his tongue and blind him he miraculously got better which just suggests to most historians that they didn't do a good job yeah <laughs> i mean at the time you could kind of go well god is on his side yeah. and like regained his sight and th- yeah yeah that that's that sounds like people who are just not very good at- did they hire like the wet bandits from home alone <laughs> or something who are just incompetent um well i think that what was happening was that charlemagne <laughs> had a couple of guys in rome right um, like armed men who he had told to protect the Pope and they came and rescued him straight away. Ah, right. But they still got the word out that they blinded him. Oh, yeah. Cause... When actually they'd somehow improved his eyesight. <laughs> they'd given him glasses. They'd given him like an early form of laser eye surgery <laughs> just with a knife. <laughs> accidentally, they were trying to blind him and accidentally fixed his astigmatism. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> okay, so... um. The fact that Charlemagne's men had rescued him gave him this great idea because he was like, oh, you know what? I'm really annoyed about the fact that there's a woman in charge in Byzantium and obviously she can't look after me and Rome. Right. Because she's a woman. Yeah. Really, because Byzantium is a long way from Rome. Mm. Um, So Charlemagne's men took him to see Charlemagne at Paderborn um, and he was received by Charlemagne. Hmm. And he goes, Charlemagne, why don't you um, escort me back to Rome? I'll prove that everything's going on well. And then we can go to church together on <laughs> Christmas Day. That'd be a good idea. And, you know, Charlemagne... Do you have any <laughs> ulterior motive here? No, not at all. Everything's absolutely fine. Meanwhile, Charlemagne's just like, good, because i got to get back to conquering and killing and also teaching people to read and write. Yeah. <laughs> What a conflicted man Charlemagne is. Well, the great thing is, so Charlemagne, I kind of love him as the Holy Roman Emperor Mm -hmm. because he's one of those kings who is like straight up. He thinks that both the church and 
kings have got a role to play and they need to balance each other out. Right. The popes have a tendency to go, we are supreme because we've been put in this position by God. And, you know, it's medieval times. God is super important. Yeah. Um, but you tend to get these men like Charlemagne, like Henry II later on, mm-hmm. who go, no, my job is to protect you and your job is to legitimize me. Right. And that's... It's a quid pro quo, Miss Starling. <laughs> so uh, later on, Charlemagne obviously made one of his ki- his sons co-emperor with him and the Pope was like, you can't do that. Only I get to choose emperors. And he was like, <laughs> Bitch, no. please. <laughs> so he's like, no, I get to choose. And that led to a load of fights and wars between the Pope and the Holy Roman Emperor that went on for pretty much the next thousand years. Damn. And you got to expect that, like, Leo, whose main claim to fame is that he survived being blinded and, like, had his tongue cut out, mm-hmm. goes up against Charlemagne, whose claim to fame is, you know, conquering all of France. Yeah. It's like, there's a bit of a disparity there in who's going to win. <laughs> oh, yes. He's trying to get power over Charlemagne by yeah. crowning him emperor because he's like, look, I made you emperor. You've got to do things for me. Please and, don't try and conquer me. <laughs> and Charlemagne's like, sorry, I thought that the empire tended to get inherited by sons. You don't get to say he's emperor now. I have the emperordom. Oh, my God. So, I felt like leaving us on this, like, power struggle was maybe appropriate for this particular Christmas. Yeah, I Um, mean, yeah, this is uh, certainly a bit of a dark time in our country in terms of, like, power struggles. Like, who's really in charge of our country? We need a new Charlemagne. No. (laughs) No, we we don't, actually. Yes, I take that back immediately. (laughs) We don't want any conquerors around here. No. Um, But Merry Christmas, everybody. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. And I hope that my story of blinding and massive power struggles has not been too much of a downer on your on your pre-Christmas Eve. Yes, this is our Christmas episode, isn't it? It is. So yes, I will just join in with saying Merry Christmas and we'll see you next time. Thank you very much to Kevin McLeod for our theme tune, Anachronist, and any other music that we've put in here. Uh, if you would like to follow us on Twitter at that time when four, if you give us a little mention, we'll give you a shout out on the show. Uh, just like Dr. Greenlee. Dr. Mm-hmm. Greenlee. Shout out to Dr. Greenlee. Yay. Um, and you can suggest ideas to us at our email, which is ttwpod at gmail.com. And yeah, follow us on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, all that stuff. Thank you so much for listening to us. Like, I know this isn't actually our last last one of the year because I've got one next week. Yeah. Um, but it, it feels like that because, you know, this is the last one before Christmas. So yeah. thank you very much for listening thank to us. Thank you for listening. It's and been... we hope you get to have an okay Christmas. Yeah. I, I, I think it's been great fun doing this podcast and I hope that we can continue with it Mm -hmm. and yeah just thank you anyone who is listening to us now see you next week bye